goes past the cups to the end of the aisle and the ushers will collect those. Thank you, music team. Didn't they do an amazing job this morning? Um, my name is Kylie. I'm a pastor here at One Heart Church. I just want to make sure that you feel really welcome here this morning. Can I get you just to turn to the people around you? Some of you arrived and it was still dark. You might not even know the beautiful person you're sitting next to. So just say a quick hello. Turn to the people beside you. say a special welcome back to George, George and Sheila who are here today. George just had a pacemaker inserted last week and back to his normal joyful bouncy self today I'm sure. Great to have you here George. Very special welcome to One Up who are in church today. So good to have you in, in the church with us as well. Um, and uh, to anyone who's new, I see a new, few new faces, great to have you here at One Heart. Or maybe if you haven't been to church for a while or you grew up in a different denomination or something, um, we just want you to know that you're welcome here today. Everyone is just welcome. Uh, we've got our senior pastors, Pastor Rob and Pauline Santo-Stefano are away in Adelaide. Um, they're going to Impact Church today. Our loss, their game today. They've just have been away at a family event. Um, we've also got Pastor Michael and Kimberly uh, at Alliston. That starts at 11 a.m., so they'll just be preparing right now. Once a month, we have a One Heart Church service at Alliston, so keep them in your prayers today. Also, just remember in your prayers today, uh, Jeff and BJ, um, as they go and lead a prison a service out at the prison, um, and pray for all the guys who attend that service as well, that you know they'll have an encounter with the living God and learn what it means to be free in Jesus, as we pray for every person here as well. What a great day it is to come together, and even better, because we've got an extra hour sleeping. Yeah. That's my favorite day of the year, the Sunday we get the extra hour. I'm like, my husband goes nuts at me every year. He's like, oh, no, daylight savings is coming because I just keep manipulating the clocks to suit me however I want. Do you guys do that as well? He's like, whatever the clock says, that's the time. But I'm like, no, because then I'll wake up this morning and go, oh, it says it's 6.30, but actually it's 7.30 or whatever, however the time works. I always change it to make me feel like I've had more sleep. That's my seemingly main aim in life, get more sleep. A little bit about me. Hey, if, um, so as I said, my name is Carly. I'm a pastor here at One Church. If you're not uh, used to what happens in churches or churches like ours, at this part of the service, we have um, someone speaking uh, from the Bible. We call it a message or a preaching or a homily or a sermon or a teaching or whatever you want to call it. You can call it whatever you want. Um, and you get me doing that today. What I really want to share is a revelation that I have in my life from the Word of God, uh, which is the Bible, what we believe God speaks to us. It's His living Word. Um, and I hope that you can get this revelation in your hearts as I have in mine. That's what I want to share with you today. And I'm a poor vessel to do that. So let's just start with a prayer. And I'm going to ask God to speak powerfully through me, um, to speak through me. And uh, how about you all pray that 
even in spite of me, God will speak to you. So let's just pray that for a moment. Father, King of the universe, God of all creation, everything that's seen and unseen, I pray that you will speak through me today, speak through your word, and for every person listening here in this church and even on the podcast later, that they'll be able to have open ears and open heart to actually know that you're speaking to them and you'll speak to them today. Amen. So on the night before Jesus died, as Roscoe shared with us from Matthew 26, on the night before Jesus died, he got his disciples all together and they had a meal. If you've seen the paintings, you know, the Last Supper, I'm not sure it was exactly like that. I don't think they even had chairs. They probably all went on one side of the table looking out. Um, but I want to talk about that for a moment. Um, so they had this meal where Jesus instituted that first communion that we just shared and Jesus knew that he would be going to the cross the next day. And the disciples didn't really get it. When we read, they sort of have no idea what's going on most of the time, like us probably. But Jesus knew what was coming the next day. And he was telling them what was going to happen to him. And he was telling them about their lives and what was going to happen to them. And, uh, and, and this is one of the things that he said. It's in John 16, 33. He's been talking for a while about what's going to happen and, and that he's going to suffer and die. And he says, I've said these things to you that in me you will have peace because in the world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. I wonder how many times you've heard that verse. Wave your hand if you've heard that verse before. Quite a few of you. In me you'll have peace, in the world you'll have trouble. It's not on many sort of Christian t-shirts and on Pinterest, in this world there'll be trouble. No one's pinning that one. It's not on the pretty posters. It's no one's screensaver, trouble in the world. And yet Jesus said that. I want you to imagine that scene for a moment. So they've just finished a dinner. There's probably like cups and plates on the table. It's all by candlelight. Jesus knows tomorrow morning, or soon in a few hours in the nighttime, he's going to be arrested. He's going to die at the, on the cross tomorrow. He's going to be crucified by the Romans. Just a minute before, Judas has walked out the door. Everyone else thinks he's going to do something with the banking. Who's doing the banking after dinner at nighttime in ancient Israel? But they think, oh, he's doing something with the money. But Jesus knows he's just left the room to betray him. He just shared his bread and shared this communion with him. He said, I'm breaking my body for you. And then Jesus is like, Judas is like, sweet, got to go. And he's gone out to dob on Jesus and, and the guards are coming for him. Jesus knows all these things that are happening. And he says, I'm telling you all this because there's going to be trouble. There's going to be trouble in your life. In this life, you will have trouble. But in me you can have peace. Peter heard that. Jesus is saying it to Peter, knowing full well that in a few decades, Peter, and almost everyone in the room, in fact, is actually going to die in the same way. They're going to be persecuted just for following 
Jesus. We think Peter actually died on the cross as well, you know, many years later. Peter writes, when he writes a letter to the churches, in 1 Peter 4, I think it is, he says, don't be surprised. He writes this to the churches that have been persecuted. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that you're going through as if something strange or weird is happening to you. Don't be surprised. Don't be like naive children when things happen and they're all surprised and going, oh, what, did, what on earth is happening? Peter's like, Jesus already told told us all those years ago, in this world, you will have trouble. And yet, aren't we just continually surprised when bad things happen? Something happens with the car, with your job, with your spouse, at school, with bullies, at, um, with money, and we're always like, oh, so what on earth is happening to me? And sometimes we even think, oh, maybe that means God isn't real, or God isn't powerful, or God doesn't love me, or God isn't protecting me. But it means none of that. Jesus said, in this life, it actually means Jesus is right. In this life, there's going to be trouble. But in me, not me, in him, there's going to be peace. That word trouble, in the Greek, I had it written somewhere. I do not know how to say it. Thalipsis. It means affliction, anguish, distress, persecution, tribulation, a pressure, pressing. It's to do with like these pressing things together. That's what Jesus is saying we're going to have in this life. And the Bible is full of the entire human experience. And so there's no need for us to be surprised when troubles come and think that maybe that means we've not got anything to do with God anymore. He's kicked us out or he doesn't love us. We can see the full human experience, warts and all, as people went through troubles. And that's what we can copy, emulate, in order to know how to get through that. I've been through troubles. What do I do? I look in there and I find Job and I copy Job. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Even if I've got everything or even if I've lost everything, let my saying be, blessed be the name of the Lord. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, about to be thrown into a furnace. What kind of crazy society do they live in? They're about to be thrown into like a big fiery furnace and they're standing outside it because they wouldn't worship the king. He says, worship me or you're gone as I'm firing you up like ceramic pots. And they say, we won't worship you. Our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, I'll still praise him. And we're going to stand in front of those troubles and say, my God can deliver me from this. But even if he doesn't, even if I still have to go through it, I will still praise him. I won't turn to the side and worship anything else. Uh, you can listen to that song, Planet Boom, Praise Over Problems. You guys heard that one? Good grief, that's a good song. I know it's for the young ones and I can't really get down to it, but play it. <laughs> I totally can't. No, I didn't even... says, copying after David, there's a line in it that says, uh, I'm facing giants, but what they don't know is they're about to see how big my God is. The enemy's under my feet. That's got to be our declaration. 
Yeah, there's giants. Yeah, there's trouble. But Jesus said, in me there will be peace. Take heart, he said. I've overcome the world. we got to every day, whether there's good circumstances or troubles, take heart. Take hold of your heart. Say, come on, heart. Rise up, heart. Rise up, faith within me. Rise up, laughter within me, to laugh without fear of the future because the Lord is at hand. And there will be trouble. I'm not surprised. It's not a surprise to God. He's made a way through. Come on, heart. Pull yourself together. Come on, faith. Rise up like a shield that extinguishes the arrows that come against us from the evil one. I can have peace in Jesus all through the troubles. In John, if we could have this one up, Karen. John 14, 27. Still in that, that night at that last supper. Jesus says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, John 16, 27. I don't give it to you in the same way the world does. But let not your hearts be troubled, nor be afraid. That word peace, again, I can't say it in Greek, Irene, Irene, give me some help here, Con. Irene. Nice one, car pie. Um, That is an active verb. It's a doing word. It's not to do with the negative. It's not to do with the absence of trouble. It's an active doing word. That means a filling up. And it's got to do with joining together. And it's about like the peace that Jesus gives us means that our lives are no longer in pieces. When we walk in the peace of Jesus, our lives are not in shards all over the place and chaotic. He actually joins all the parts of us together with him. And we're able to have this kind of integrity of being, this wholeness of being. There's no more confusion about who we are and our purpose in the world and our place in God because he gives us this peace, this joining together of all of our parts, a wholeness of being, and it's active, not just the absence of trouble. I want you to just think for a moment, and can I even give you this as homework, uh, spiritual homework, because I want to think for a moment on how valuable the peace of God is. Because in Proverbs it says, I, don't, I can't remember the number, but Proverbs it says, uh, where there is no revelation, the people give way to restraint, or the people give in to restraint. And where, if we have no revelation about this incredible gift of peace, of what it means, how precious and how amazing this gift of peace is, then we're just going to give it away. We're just going to let it dissolve. We're going to not know that it's precious because we won't have that revelation. So just think for a moment about what it means to have peace, the peace of God in your mind and in your heart and in your soul. How much would you pay for that if you could buy it in the shops? How busy would those shops be? Imagine... Guys, from one up, if every time you had to go to school and meet that bully or every time you had to go and enter a test or something like that, you could go into it completely filled with the peace of God in your mind and in your heart. Anytime you had to go for a job interview, you can just go into it completely filled with the peace of God in your mind and your heart. Every time you've got to go to a doctor's appointment and you're expecting bad news, you can just go with the peace of God in your mind and your heart. Fill with his peace. The bills just keep coming in and there's no money and there's more bills. And every time you open it, imagine if you could just be filled with the peace of God in your heart and in your mind. 
When troubles come, they're definitely going to come in your marriages, in your relationships, in your jobs. But if you could walk through those with filled with the peace of God in your mind and your heart, how valuable would that be? Wouldn't you not buy a house? You would mortgage everything just to buy that peace. There's just, it's just immeasurably valuable, isn't it? It's, it's not even comparable. You can't even compare it with anything. Wouldn't it be better to be filled with the peace of God but be homeless and poor and alone and yet filled completely with the peace of God in your mind and your heart rather than be in a fanciest of mansions and surrounded by people and have heaps of money and heaps of fame but there's no peace. It's not even comparable. The whole world's riches, the whole world's fame, everything you could ever have is worth nothing if you don't have peace in your heart or peace in your mind. And if you have the peace of Jesus, then it doesn't matter about anything else. Everything else will fall into place. Troubles come all around you, but you're standing like you're in the eye of the storm. Stuff's happening, people are falling to the left and the right, and you're able to walk through it with peace. How valuable is this? Not just any old peace, it's the peace of Jesus. He says, my peace I give you. The same peace that he lived in as he went to the cross, as he lived with racism and injustice and poverty and sickness and death and everything else that went on in ancient Israel when he was walking on this earth, that peace that he had, that's the peace that he gives us. And he said it's different to the way the world gives It's not the same. It's different. The peace I give the world can't give is a difference to it. So how does the world give us peace? What does that even mean, the world? It means like the things in this world, the things that we strive after for peace. One way the world gives us peace or that we seek peace is by having easy times. Just when I've got a good car and a good house and my hair's done and I got good friends and I got heaps of money and I'm on easy street, then we're content and we're like, I have such a peaceful life. There's no war, there's no problems, I got heaps of money, I got heaps of stuff. And we think, now I have peace. I can sleep well, I'm not worried about the bills, nothing. But Jesus says, My peace is different than that. My peace is better than that. Because even when troubles come, My peace will be there in the middle of it. It doesn't disappear when the troubles come. My peace will be the firm foundation for you. My peace will be the thing that makes you stand and stabilizes you when the troubles come. It's not dependent on easy circumstances. How else does the world give us peace? People seek peace by just numbing out the pain just kind of pretending it doesn't happen anymore, just trying to numb it. We just try drinking and alcohol and drugs and, and just like denial and avoidance and we're just trying to, trying to numb our pain. We, we just go to parties or whatever and we're just trying to pretend that it doesn't exist and keep ourselves numb to it. And Jesus says, my peace is different than that. My peace is better than that. Because it's not going to numb the pain. It's not going to numb the troubles, but it will actually heal your pain. Right there in the midst of your troubles, my peace will heal your pain. Another way the world tries to give us peace, or we try to seek it from the world, is distraction. 
Wow, that's a big one. Do you know that there's a new word just in this last decade that these guys are growing up with that most of us didn't ever hear before called binge-watching? which means binge, Gabriel's never heard of it yet. Binge, hands up if you guys know what binge watching means. All the young people who are listening know what it means. It just entered the dictionary in the last decade. It means spending many, many, many hours watching a a series of shows. We used to watch one movie at a time. Now they watch 20. Hours spent on Netflix alone are... A hundred million hours a day, just on Netflix. On Facebook, that's around the world, on Facebook, there's almost a billion hours every day in one day across the world to spend on Netflix. When I read that, I thought, what could Jesus do if we gave him our one billion hours every day to bring about his kingdom in the world? But... There's so many things in the world that we just seek distraction from. Um, And not just social media, obviously, and it's not evil and all that sort of stuff, but it's just ways that we seek distraction. We just seek distraction in other people's drama, in uh, uh, making drama up ourselves, in shopping, spending money, whatever it is, we just try and distract ourselves. And Jesus says, my peace is not like that. It won't distract you from your problems. It won't distract you from your troubles. My peace will actually help you authentically go through those troubles and finally get out the other side. So you won't go round and round the same mountain and round and round the same problem over and over and over anymore. I'll take you out to the other side. And no more will we let distraction just get us muddled around and around. His peace is different. Paul says in Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God surpassing all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. And that word guard, I looked it up in the Greek as well, it means a watcher in advance. It means to mount a sentinel, to get someone put on guard, to be looking out to the future and to be able to alert and guard. So that shows us that our hearts and our minds actually need guarding, don't they? And if we have the peace of God filling us, the peace guards our heart and mind. Because who knows when you go through stressful times that you can't really think straight. You spend all this energy worrying and you can't really hear things properly. You can't really think things properly through. You can't be creative problem solving and it's even hard to pray and it's hard to support others because the stress and the pressure just kind of takes over. But when we have the peace of God in our heart and mind, it will guard our heart and mind for us and we'll be free to still be able to give to other people, to still be able to think clearly and understand what's happening, to be sober-minded even in the middle of the troubles. Um, Paul says, you know, to take captive every thought for Christ. And in the Old Testament, is it in the Psalms, they say, you know, Lord, be pleased with the meditation of my heart. And so we've got to be aware of the meditation of our heart and the thoughts of our minds. Be aware of them. Be conscious. What's going on in here? What is the meditation of my heart when trouble comes? Is it, oh, no, 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 no. How am I going to get through this? I'm never going to get through this. I can't cope with this. I can't deal. I have to dump everything. I'm going to have to move away to a place where they don't know me. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm so worried. I'm never going to have enough money. I'm never going to, God, I really need your help. Help me, help me. I'm never going to get through. Is that the meditation of our hearts and our minds? Because Jesus says, There's a better way to live than that. 
You don't have to live like that. In this world, there will be trouble. But in me, you can have peace. The meditation of our heart, even in the middle of terrible troubles, can be, Jesus, I trust in you. I don't know what's happening. I can't understand it, but I trust that you're good. God, you're such a good God. Sing these songs that we've been singing all morning. I declare your goodness over my life. Even though what I see seems so bad, I don't know my way out. But you are at hand. The Lord is at hand. A thousand might fall at my left hand and 10,000 at my right, but the day of evil will not touch me. God, my mighty and strong deliverer, Who do I look to for help? My strong tower, my ever-present help in times of trouble. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you, my God, are with me. Is this a meditation of our hearts? Is this a meditation of our mind? When we live in the peace of God, you are with me. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, no evil will I fear. I will not let my heart be traveled. You anoint me in the presence of my enemies, my enemies of despair and sickness and anguish and anxiety, sleeplessness, bills, trouble with my husband. I will not despair because you anoint me right there and honor me in front of my enemies and you pour your oil upon me and you pour your peace into my mind and into my heart. My God will deliver me and even if he doesn't, I will still praise him. Let that be the meditation of our heart. But we have a role in that too. The Bible says to pursue peace, to seek it, not from the world but from Jesus, that true lasting peace. Be aware of the meditation of our heart and our mind. Take it captive, listen to it. And if it doesn't follow the word of God, that we can walk in peace, then get rid of it. Replace it with his word, his word. Copy Job, copy the Psalms, copy David. Put on the planet boom song, do everything you can. And we might ask, as I have for many, many years, if you listen back to my preaching, I'm saying this many, many times, how, Jesus, can you possibly ask us to do this impossible thing? And he kind of says it like a commandment as well, this impossible task. I can sum it up in two words that he said, but it's ridiculous. If anyone tries to tell you it and you really think on it, you'll go, what the heck can God be really asking of this of us? It's to live like this. Don't worry. Don't be worried about anything, he said. Don't be worried about what you wear. Don't be worried about what you'll eat. That's for all the women. Don't be worried about where you'll live. That's for all the men. Don't worry about that, Jesus said. I just read these and I'm like, Lord, how can you ask us and command us not to worry? Don't worry. Don't be anxious for anything. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be afraid. How can he ask that of us, right? Have you ever spent an afternoon and meditated on that? What does it mean to just never worry about anything? How can he ask this of us? I have a friend, Bridget, shout out to you, Bridget, if you're listening on the podcast, and she has two little babies. One is a toddler and one is a little baby, and they're both boys, and the toddler's really busy, and the baby is really awake at night, 
Um, you'll know all about that, Bill. And um, they aren't getting much sleep and, you know, there's only one income, so um, they're a bit tight for money and it's really, really hard. And she's been ringing me up and she's like, oh, man, it's so hard, so busy and um, just having this, you know, difficult time, not getting any sleep. It's just a really difficult stage in life. And I'm on the other side of toddlerdom. My children are almost grown. They're 17 and 18. And I look back and she's like, it's never going to end. I can't get out of the house. I can't even get a shower. I'm never going to sleep again. And I, I look back at her with compassion and I say, Bridgie, it's going to end. In fact, I know it seems so slow, but it's going to go so fast. Try, all you mums are nodding at me. Hands up if you've said this. It goes so fast. Try to enjoy it. Try not to worry. Now, all of a sudden, I became one of those people going, it goes so fast. Try, to en- try not to worry about the small things. Try to enjoy your toddlers. You know, in a blink of an eye, it's over. And Jesus speaks to us, don't be anxious, don't worry, from the other side of the tomb. We're walking through this life and we're like, Lord, it's so hard, it's so long, these things, these troubles that come into my life are so massive, I'm dealing with giants and it kind of gets worse as you just carry on getting older and older and and you're like, Lord, is it ever going to end? I'm never going to get through this. But Jesus is speaking to us from the other side of the tomb. He says, I've already been through death, I've been through the worst, I've risen again, his resurrection is a pattern for our resurrection, he's looking back at us and he's saying, you are going to get through this. You can get through this without worrying. You can get through this without anguish because I've made a way. And if you just keep following in my footsteps, just keep following the sound of my voice, then you will get to the other side too. And you don't need to worry. You don't need to let your hearts be troubled. You don't need to let your hearts be afraid because I've made a way through. I've given you my peace. I've given you my spirit of power and you can see the pathway if we just keep following Jesus. He knows we'll get through and that's how he can say to us, as I say to my friend and to all of you with young babies, you will get through it. One day you won't be able to wake them up out of bed. They just never get out of bed as teenagers. You thought they'd never go to sleep and then they'll never wake up. I fry bacon in the morning, I put happy songs on, I do everything I can to entice them to get up, nothing. (laughs) And that passes too. And Jesus speaks to us on the other side of the tomb. I know it seems really hard and I know you feel like it's never going to get better, but there is hope. Just keep following the sound of my voice. I'm going to lead you all the way through, even the worst, and out to the other side as well and into eternal light. And we can walk all that through with his peace. Amazing. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts because as members of the body of Christ, you're called to peace. He calls us to live a life filled with the peace of God in our hearts and our minds. Can I just ask the musicians to come back up, please? And uh, I'm going to just have a bit of time to pray because I've been through some really, really challenging times lately. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, a doctor looked at me in the eye and said, your daughter might die today. And to be honest, I've heard that heaps of times before as well. 
But I've been able, because I have a revelation of the peace of God and the power of God, that I was able to walk through that with peace. That wasn't even the worst thing that's happened to me in the last few weeks. So many terrible things. But all the way through, I just laugh without fear at the future because God's sustaining word sustains me and he's a firm foundation. As, as Penny was saying, no matter what troubles you've had this week or what troubles there are to come, God is the same yesterday, today and t- tomorrow and he is always good towards us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Our ever-present help in times of trouble. Let that be the meditation of our heart. So I'll just ask you to stand for a moment. In Colossians 1.20, because we talked about how valuable, how immeasurably priceless the gift is, and how if it was in the shops, we would do anything to buy it. Well, it's free, of course. Jesus says, I just give it to you. If you belong to Jesus, then he says, I just give you this piece. It's free. But it wasn't cheaply purchased for us. The peace of Christ comes through Jesus' death on the cross. In 1 Colossians Colossians 1.20, it says, Jesus reconciled all things to himself on earth and in heaven by making peace through the blood of the cross. Once we were alienated from God and were hostile in our minds because of our deeds against God. But now he has reconciled us by Christ's physical body through death on the cross. And he presents us holy, unblemished, blameless, guilt-free, shame-free in his presence. The peace that he gives us today, and we're going to pray that every person receives his peace right now, his sustaining peace, his immeasurably precious, priceless gift of peace. It's given to us because of the death on the cross. And the way that we keep that peace and live in his peace is that we need to guard it and not just give it away, not just let it dissolve when troubles come. How many of us experience the peace of God and then we just kind of fritter it away when the computer takes a bit long or when the phone battery is dying or when the car doesn't work properly or you got an extra bill or you have to do an extra test or our plans didn't go according to plans. We just, well, I'm carrying too much stuff. I'll just get rid of that piece. I'll chuck that over there. Now my mind's really free to to have a ball on worrying when that's the one thing that we need to be able to get through. So we need to guard that peace. We need to have a revelation of it and then we need to guard it. And some of you here may be hearing these words and think, I have never experienced what she's talking about. I do not have this peace of Jesus in my mind and I've never had it. The peace of Jesus is given to us by being reconciled to God through Jesus' death on the cross. And if you're not familiar with that idea of, you know, sin separating us from the peace of God or like wrongdoing, I can promise you, you already are familiar with that idea. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're driving along the road and you're not speeding 
and you pass a cop, what do you feel? Peace. Not worried. Let's say you're driving along the road later and you are speeding and you pass the cop and he's got his radar out, what do you feel? Not peace. Because when we're in alignment with God's will, with God's law, with the right way of living, then peace is a fruit, peace is a byproduct, peace is a natural consequence. When we're in alignment with Jesus, when we are reconciled to God, then peace is a fruit in our lives, sustaining us through every time of trouble. So if you haven't ever taken that step to say, Jesus, I want you in my life, then we're going to have a chance to pray for that right now. So just ask every person to close your eyes now. And if you feel comfortable to put your hands out, we put our hands out like this just to to be like, I'm willing to receive from you, God. You might want to hold your hands like that, like you're going to receive a present. Maybe you want a big present. I'm willing to receive from you, God. So first, if you've never experienced the peace of God because you've never asked Jesus into your life, just with every eye closed, with every head bowed, I want to invite you right now just to say that prayer in your heart. God can hear the thoughts of your heart and the thoughts of your mind. That you can say, Jesus, I need you to clean me of my guilt and my shame. I need you to teach me how to live right. I need you to give me that peace and no longer that I live in chaos. And you might start now even to feel like a pounding in your heart or maybe a warmth in your body or a feeling in your mind. That's the Holy Spirit of God saying, I'm close to you. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. And I, if you will open the door, I'll come in. The Father will come in and we'll live in your heart and we'll eat with you and we'll live with you. Jesus is saying, I want to be in your life. I want to give you forgiveness. I want to give you salvation. I want to give you purpose. I want to give you peace. I only have good things for you. And I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And maybe right now you can feel the knocking of your heart as your heart is racing. That's just God showing you that He's near. If you want to make a sign this morning that you want to ask Jesus into your life, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up high. It's a sign between you and God. No one's looking around. But if you would just raise your hand up high. Maybe you have said this in the past, but you want to rededicate today. You just raise your hand up high and say, Jesus, I want to be reconciled to you. I want you in my life. I want your peace. I want to live in your peace. No more like I'm in the storm, but like I'm held by you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All you need to do is just pray in your own words, in your own heart. I ask you to be my Lord and my Saviour, Jesus. ask you forgiveness that you brought on the cross. Be my Lord of my life. Let me live in your peace. Thank you, Jesus.
for each other person, can you just, with your hands out right now, just let's just pray for a real anointing of the peace of God. No matter what troubles are in your lives, Lord Jesus, I pray you would give every person an anointing of your peace, that you would flood their minds with your peace, that those entanglements of anxiety and worry begin right now to loosen, and that over today and tomorrow and every day this week, that they would become more and more loosened in their minds, that peace would reign in their minds, that anxiety and depression and worry would flee in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would pour out your peace in our hearts, that our hearts would be light, that our hearts would not be heavy, that our hearts would not be burdened or be broken or be in anguish or be troubled, but that we would have your peace. Fill every person with your peace, Lord Jesus. Peace in our hearts. God, we pray for a revelation of the preciousness, immeasurable value, incomparable value of your peace. Thank you, Jesus. And that we would be carriers. When we meet people this week, even as they encounter us, they'd be attracted to the peace of Christ within us. Amen. Thank you, church. So I just ask you to take your seats. If you were one of those people who put up your hand today and, and said that prayer to ask Jesus into your life, I'd love to speak with you more about it and even pray with you and We've got a little booklet we can give you called Next Steps and we can give you a Bible if you don't have one or a reading plan to help you to start to read the Bible. So please come and see me um, or any of the people that you've seen up on the stage today. I hope you have a really great week. Amen.